Kia ora and welcome to Jules from NZ, a weekly podcast chocker with all things Aotearoa New Zealand and some about me, Jules. Cheer. Kia and welcome back to Jules from NZ. So first off, before we get into any topic stuff, I need to talk to you about a wee change that will be happening to the Jules from NZ episodes. So I'm going to separate out the New Zealand topic stuff from the Jules life and various call-in stuff. And I'm going to do this for a few reasons. One, I have a lot to say on these topics and adding on extra stuff into the podcast makes them a bit long and that's why I haven't been able to do any New Zealand news for a while. So I think that's sad and I'd like to put that back in. So two, I think they're getting a bit diluted into a bunch of different things that happen on this podcast and I kind of want to keep this one like clean feeds of NZ stuff. So um yep that's a reason and three i'd like to talk about other things sometimes not all about nz and perhaps people might not be interested in that so i think putting all of that stuff about my life and other things that i'm interested in into separate episodes would be quite helpful for meaning that i can talk about all of that stuff but like keep this feed clean so i'm still thinking about what to call those other episodes sort of something about shine or sparkle or something Something again about jewels, but I, 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 I don't know. So um, uh, I'm basically inspired by Colin from Spike Pit RPG Podcast, who has Spike Pit episodes, which are like in-depth topic delving, and then his drive-by episodes, which are like rants and call-ins and debates and stuff. And I really, really love that separation and that different vibe of each of the things. And that's really what I want going forward. So I hope you're all on board. If not, I'm doing it anyway. So um, on the plus side, that kind of does mean more episodes because while these other episodes might not be as frequent um, as like the weekly um, New Zealand topic stuff, um, they'll come out at different times. So um, I hope that's kind of a plus anyway. Maybe you're sick of hearing from me already. Anyway, but <laughs> um, this is all side stuff. So let's get into the topic, the one you all have been waiting for, because I told you about it last week. Last week was an intense one, wasn't it? But this week is powerful and threatening. It's a native war cry that still strikes fear into enemies' hearts. That's right. We're talking about the Hakka. Treasures from the Vault. So you know that feeling that you get when you get the urge to like challenge an opponent to a dance off like it's the only way possible to settle things and the next thing you know you're whirling and poking out your tongue and making eyes at the other people you're stomping your foot and you're slapping your chest and you're making a loud noise with your voice to say i am not afraid and then you're advancing to get in their space and you're challenging them to see if they have the guts to fight back you know just that thing you do every saturday night down the club sirs is that just me? Anyway, um, that that is close to the haka. The haka is a traditional Māori war dance used on the battlefield, also used in times of peace and celebration. It was it was created to be a show of a tribe's strength and unity and pride. The group moves together using these big stomping movements while chanting in harmony, and it's all about how you hold yourself and present yourself. You know, hakas are now used to acknowledge 
massive moments. And if you know it at all, you probably know the versions that they perform on the rugby field. But let me tell you a bit about what else there is out there because there is so much else that there is to haka. Um, in pre-European and early contact times, the haka was used as part of like the formal process when two parties came together. Basically, there was a challenge from the tangata whenua, or the tribe from that area, the tribe of the land, followed by a response from the manuhiri, or the visiting party, to that land. So the encounter concluded with tangata whenua, that local person, performing a haka peru-peru, or like a leaping kind of haka, like a jumping up into the air slightly more. Um, and the visitors would then respond with their own haka in response to that as a respect thing. Following the speeches by both parties, they then moved together to hongi, the traditional greeting of pressing of noses and breathing breath of life. And I will talk about the hongi at another point, but basically it, it, the haka comes as part of a crucial part of that. When I was researching the topic, there's actually a lot of mixed chat about how exactly the haka was created, where exactly it came from. Um, there's lots of similar stuff, but there's a little bit of differences in the stories, and that is fairly typical, as each tribe usually carried verbally their history with them. And as we know, like stories are changed by the teller, even if they didn't mean to, and then listeners hear different things depending on who they are and what part they grab onto, and then they repeat it in a slightly different way. But you know, anyway, that's getting wildly off track, back to where it came from. So I like the stories and the histories that I found very much. They're very similar, so I couldn't find a definitive story amongst the variations. I'm kind of going to share a story that is sort of a, 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 a you know, a middle thread, uh, basically. Um, so while recent traditions makes the haka look very male-dominated out on that rugby field, um, the history and the legends reflect something that's quite different, actually. The haka is said to be derived from the sun god, Ra. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Or Tama Nui Tera, um, and is a celebration of life dance. Ra had two wives, because, you know, he was greedy. Uh, Hene Raumate, who was the essence of summer, and Hene Takurua, the essence of winter. You know, the uh, sun shines on both, I guess. Uh, and Ra and Hene Raumate, oh my goodness. Ra and Hene Raumate lay together and had a son, Tanerore, uh, a child of the sun in summer. So he performed for his mother one day and his presence was revealed in the shimmering distortion that happens in hot still days. You know, you can kind of see that shimmering coming off like a hot road. That shimmer is reflected in the trembling or the witty-witty of the haka performer's hands and that's sort of part of where that haka came from. Um, one such recorded history of like the first use of the haka lists it um, as sort of started by tribe, um, by Chief Tenerao and some of his women's folk. Apparently, Tenerao had a pet whale that was killed by an old tohanga or a priest called Kai. Um, so Tenerao sent a hunting party of women to find this Kai, and, but all they knew about him is that he had uneven teeth that like overlapped. 
And the woman got to the village where they thought that this this priest or this tohanga was from and performed a haka in, in order to like force a smile and in this way uncovered the whale killer. He was captured and he was killed for his crime. Cool, right? Like, well, hang on. Not the murder. The murder's not cool. But the story, right? Like, I think that's cool. So today, haka is still used during Māori ceremonies and celebrations to honour guests and show the importance of the occasion. So this includes family events like birthdays and weddings and funerals. Um, the words of the haka often describe ancestors or events in a tribe's history. It's kind of like a mini rhythmic story that's happening for you. So, yeah, it's kind of cool. Um, haka are obviously also used to challenge opponents on the sports field. And you've probably seen the haka performed by the New Zealand's All Blacks before a rugby match. You will also probably agree that it is a terrifying sight to behold, you know. It was first performed by the All Blacks in 1888. And until 2005, the haka they always performed was kamate. Um, a war cry written in 1920 by Māori chief Te Rauparaha. Actually, Te Rauparaha is actually the, one of the main chiefs where I now live in our local sports arena in Poirua. It's named after him. Te Rauparaha Arena, uh, which everybody always calls Te Rauparaha Arena because they're Philistines. Anyway, um, the Saka celebrates life triumphing over death. In 2005, they came up with a newer version called Kapa Opango, which is exclusive to the All Blacks rugby team and is only performed during certain matches. But as everybody knows the traditional kamate, that's the one I'll be doing for you here on the podcast. Um, a few of you might be surprised at the fact that I'm about to perform the haka, I'm sure, because it's not really something you see a woman doing, usually, is it? Mm, but that's not because we can't. Not at all. In fact, Māori women hung back during the start of a haka to size up the men, to see if their strength, their power, their unison was enough to go to war. Um, and if they approved, if they thought that the men were strong enough, powerful enough, and if they, they were cohesive enough as a group, they would actually join the dance and chant. Their silence and their lack of participation was actually generally considered a pretty bad sign. So interesting, right? So however, there obviously are some things as most cultures have, that women doing the haka should think about. And this is where um, we get into territory of like disrespect for the haka and not understanding what parts of the haka mean or, or why they're done um, and, and why people doing the haka incorrectly is a thing because it can be done wrong. So let's, let's go back to the things that women should be thinking about. Um, your stance, for instance, that wide leg stance that generally the men do is not for you. That's for the boys. And by the way, when I talk about women and men, I'm not talking about the classical forms of gender. Whatever you consider yourself to be, this is the things that you should consider yourself to be doing. Um, it's, it's a way of portraying your gender. So if you feel more male or you feel more female, then, then go do that. Um, these, for, for simplicity's sake, I'm talking about, um, just 
female and male as two things, but I know gender is a lot more complicated than that. But this, this is not that podcast. Anyway, okay. I've gotten way off track. See, this is why I need another podcast. Anyway, um, okay. So your stance, for instance, that wide lace stance is not for you. That's for the boys. And that is because the traditional skirts that the females wore were grass. And as you can imagine, grass is pretty revealing when it moves around. And you would show a lot of what was under that skirt um, if you stood with your legs wide apart. So... If they did that, and women were known to do that, to to spread their legs and kind of show what was underneath, but spreading their legs on was done on purpose to express derision or disgust to the opponents. You know, it was like it was almost like a offensive kind of thing, which is really interesting when we anyway Maori have the massive thing about female power and 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 stuff. A lot of it is linked to um, organs. Anyway. Another thing, um, so another thing to watch is um, the fetero or the poking out of the tongue that again is performed by males. Females, keep your tongue in your mouth. It is symbolic of a man's power, defiance and his virility, specifically his penis. So if you consider yourself a woman and you want to perform respectfully, instead lean into pukana and potete, which is all about expressing of emotion through the eyes. And that is how you hold your power um, of what is within you. So the pukana, let's talk about that. The pukana is where you widen your eyes so you can see as much white around the iris as possible. And you hold that gaze really intently, that is to intimidate. The portete is about closing your eyes to reinforce the meanings of the words that you're rhythmically chanting and to increase the power of um, the pukana when you open up. These are all crucial parts of the dance. And don't forget the witty-witty that we learned about previously, portraying that shimmering heat of where the haka came from. So when I uh, do this, um, imagine me widening my eyes, gritting my teeth, shimmering my hands in the air as I chant with all of my heart to make you all fear me. Um, I will put up a pukana selfie pic of me on my Instagram so you can check that out. Now, admittedly, my pukana is not terribly scary, but I try really hard. Um, and it's actually something you need to really practice. So um, I will keep practicing on my scary pukana. Um, all right. Okay. You ready for this? Cause, whew, here we go. Kamate, kamate, kora, kora. Kamate, kamate, kora, kora. Tenete tangata, puru, huru, na na itiki, my fucker fiti tera. Ah, upane, ka upane, ah, upane, kopane, fiti tera. So, what did I just say? <laughs> because obviously it's in Māori and you should be terrified. Um, so let's talk about what I said. The words, tis death, tis death, or I may die. Tis life, tis life, or I may live. Tis death, tis death, tis life, tis life. This is the hairy man who summons the sun and makes it shine. A step upward, another step upward, a step upward, another. The sun shines. So, that's intense. 
so this haka has a really interesting story that goes with it that makes um, the lyrics really sing. So I want to tell you that so you understand what the lyrics are talking about. So basically, Te Paraha and his tribe, Ngāti Toa, were in a war with a neighbouring Waikato tribe. And the basics of all of this is Te Paraha was forced to flee. He went to Te Farirangi, known to be a very, very hairy man, for assistance. Um, he reluctantly agreed to hide Te Paraha uh, and did so in a kumara pit, sat on or above by his wife. Now, sitting below a woman was considered a pretty lowly position. Also, sitting in a place um, where you served food or cooked food is considered pretty bad sort of juju. Uh, so, or tapu. Uh, it's, 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 it's not considered good. Um, it's, uh, food is sacred, so you don't mess with it by putting your feet in your butt and stuff all over it. So, uh, yeah. So no chief is willingly going to sit in a food pit with a woman above him. So the deliberate choice of position combined with Te Farirangi lying for him helped him escape being found. But it was pretty touch and go. Thus the bouncing back and forth as to I may die, I may live, I may die, I may live um, at the start. He created this haka in the pit while waiting uh, potentially for his death at this point. And um, when he was able to rise up out of the pit and see the sun again, uh, he he performed it when he was thanking Te Farirangi for his help. Interesting, right? So it's all about um, a defeating of, of death and, and, and your thoughts about going to die and, and, and rising above the challenge, kind of. So... And, and that is very, like, the epitome of a haka, because a haka is intended to be a challenge to opponents. It's like, I rose above this thing where I could have died, and I'm going to challenge you, um, because I, you know, beat death, so you should be scared of me. Uh, so when the English rugby team met their challenge in 2019 in a standing V, all of New Zealand delighted in this understanding and respectful Reply. It in no way violated the Māori cultural protocol known as tihanga. Uh, tihanga. Te, oh my god, tikanga. Um, however, the opposite is also true. So um, I found this amazing spin off article written by Louisa Opitala um, uh, all about. Um, the uh the performing of haka in um by the all blacks and how it links to whether they do well or or do badly it's really interesting anyway i've i've put a link to it um in the notes of the episode so you can go read it yourself but basically she wrote you disrespect the haka at your own peril and it's true um she explains that the Rugby World Cup 2019, the one I just talked about, um, the English rugby team met that challenge in the standing V and it was great, you know, like, and it was, it, we had a really amazing game, like really close. Um, but South Africa, the opposing fans began to chant ole, 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 ole over the challenge of the haka, which didn't even make any sense because what's that got to do with 
South Africa, but attempts to trample the mana, um, the power, the, the respect of the challenge, to, to disrespect what our challenge is only serves to fire our All Blacks up even more. And they add this to their fire to win already and their energy to their own mana, their own pride in their game. And uh, they did indeed win that very game with a 23-13 to 13 win. Uh, which, which you know, I mean, count that as a coincidence all you like, but uh, we're pretty, we're pretty intense about our haka. You disrespect it at your own peril. So go read that article because it's got heaps of really well written and funny um, more examples. So really good. Um, and what else? Oh, uh, I did want to tell you that like today, um, the other like there's lots of uses of. Um, the haka out there and there's lots of people being um, like taking it for their own and and using it and like the New Zealand army has its own unique haka um, opened and ended by female soldiers um, acknowledging their special place in the armed forces which I think is really really cool uh, but like some American football teams apparently have been known to do the haka as a pregame ritual, but not correctly, not, not respectfully. So a lot of people are kind of annoyed um, that they've tried to grab that. And that kind of leads me on to, um, Glenn, you were talking about like other cultures using it. Well, it came from Maori culture. So you do see a little bit of it in like Hawaiian culture because like I, I, I see that they use it in like their football games and stuff, but they have adapted the haka and they now have the ha'a, um, which is like a Hawaiian version of the haka, but one that they've put their own culture into and it it sort of um, includes a lot more of their the Hawaiian traditional dance moves and stuff, which is pretty cool. Um, I haven't actually seen that. I can't find any videos on it, but I'd love to. So if anybody has any of that, I'd love to see it. So um, as to whether like the American football teams using it are disrespectful, I don't know. Again, I'd have to see it to decide for myself. There's a bit of information online that suggests that maybe they're, um, you know, female are using, um, poking the tongues out and stuff like that, which it, be considered inappropriate so interesting and if you see any of that let me know I'd love to investigate this more so um, if you have any questions or if I didn't cover anything for you Glenn and everybody else out there listening would love to hear about that so flick me a message on any of my media um, or um, call, leave a call in on the episode or whatever it is however you ask the question I would love to hear um, your questions and comments on the hacker. So that's it. That's the hacker. I hope you enjoyed that, Glenn, and I hope I answered all of your questions. I look forward to hearing from you in regards to this one. Come find me on Twitter. Let's chat again. Um, for everybody else listening, I'd love to see your Pukana picks. Let's have a Pukana war, you know? Like... Um, check out mine on Instagram and Twitter and find me on Instagram and Twitter or Facebook and tag me with the hashtag 
Pukana. Let's get it trending. And just so you know how that's spelled, P-U-K-A-N-A. Uh, also, if you have any grand ideas as to what I should be calling my other Jules episodes to differentiate them, please let me know. I'm always keen to hear what you lovely folks out there think because you are smarter than I am. So um, I will, I'm, I'm, I'm just putting this out there into the universe and I'm, I'm basically getting you to do my work for me. <laughs> Tell me what to call my stuff because I have no idea. Anyway, so... Thanks to my gems listening out there, James, Scott, Glenn, and Lucas. You're just the sweetest, sparkly people in my life. It means so much that you're out there enjoying my crazy content each week enough to help me keep making this stuff. So many, many, many kisses your way if you want them. Consent is important. Um, our music outro this week, of course, is the Haka. Probably done way better than I just did <laughs> as it should be enough said so enohora kakiteano and see you next week <laughs>